Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 30th, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 16, the first paragraph, An Alcoholic in His Cup. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Marietta, 12 Traditions, Sandy, Helena, KDF, Marita, and Nancy. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, January 29th, is 5835. The share ID is 5835. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, it's Marietta from Virginia, the 12 steps. One, we admit that we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marietta. I will now ask Sandy to please read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Sandy, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. 
Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should forever remain non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public Relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. How our meeting worked. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you please keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, please press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. And this is really important. In order to have a quiet meeting, please keep your phone muted except for the speakers. Thank you. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 16, the first full paragraph. And I will ask Helena to please begin the reading. Good morning, this is Helena. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not, or would not, see our way of life. Um, I find this a very powerful paragraph, um, reminding us that we are very, very sick people, that our addiction 
is heading us straight towards death. It's also telling us that we must work with others, no matter what the consequences. And the next paragraph is going to start out that um, it is not all tragic. Bill makes it clear. Comic, tragic, strenuous, and for me, extremely rewarding. And yet, if there is any doubt that Bill has found a solution that he can know works for sure 100% and that he's put his hand to the plow and there's no turning back, it is that someone committed suicide in his home. And I can only begin to imagine what got all involved with the police there and um, just the terrible situation. And yet, Bill can move on and say this too was part of our recovery. He could not or would not see our way of life. At the beginning of how it works, it's going to tell us that those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. And that what a blessing it is that we can and are willing to give ourselves completely to this program. And once again, lest we think that this is uh, something that we can play with, let us remember that alcohol leads to death. Pass. Thank you, Helena. And who would like to share on what was read today? Lorna from Pittsburgh. I heard two people. Can you both repeat your name? This Lauren. is Larry. And okay, Lauren. I heard Larry and then Lauren. Larry? Oh, thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, an alcoholic in his cups is a very unlovely creature. Yes, that, that was me, no doubt. Um, our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. And um, I'm just going to focus on he could not or would not see our way of life. You know, we have to remember, you know, and, and this is about identification. I, I couldn't or see this way of life before. You know, but I'm reminded, you know, having a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. So before this happened to me, like this gentleman, um, love, tolerance, kindness to others, you know, with a pure selfless motive, other than wanting to keep, you know, what's been given to me, that was not possible for me. You see, I, I mean, I always got mine first. And and today, I can say, as a, as a result of the complete God transformation, you know, I know with complete certainty that the God of my understanding is pure mercy. I mean, you know, and after all, my higher power was simply a God, if, if, if my higher power, I think, was like a God of justice, I wouldn't be here today. And I don't know, a lot, a lot of compulsive readers would not. Um, so I'm, I'm charged, you know, with carrying this message, not, not a message, my message, some message, but the message. And, and this message is just this, that, that you can have this too. And, and what is it? You know, I mean, um, I needed to hear as that unlovely creature that was struggling like crazy, I needed to hear the message. The message was that, that I could have this, that what a spiritual awakening that will change you as it has me. And it's changed me from every fiber in my being that, you know, it's transformed me, changed me, altered me, renovated me. And, um, and, and how? 
<clears throat> like it's just simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. And um, I know people who have committed suicide. Um, you know, people, you know, become unlovely creatures. You know, and um, and and for me, you know, to, today, you know, I practice these principles in all my affairs. I mean, and it's easy for me to get on this line and be loving and tolerant and supportive with all of you. But what about, you know, a spouse, uh, children, coworkers? You know, someone's going to step on my toes today. It's really not a matter of if that they're going to. And am I willing to make immediate amends to the person that I hurt today, regardless of my self-justification of my actions? So, I mean, when I read this paragraph, you know, the irony has not been lost on me that, like this guy, I came into this program very self-absorbed, very focused on what I wanted to happen for me, to me, me, myself, and I, but only, only to be transported to a state of God consciousness where, where now I'm, I'm other-centered rather than self-centered. And, and that's the paradox for me or the riddle that I can't will this to happen Yet, you know, to make no mistake that God will not do this for me. I merely have created conditions and allowed this to happen by choosing to follow a few simple steps. I'm in the midst of chaos and calamity. So um, today, am I suicidal? No. You know, am I peaceful, happy, and serene in the midst of calamity and chaos that this world has? Yes, I am. And I, you know, and I, and I'll, what I'll, what I'll close with is, you know, we, at the end of every meeting, we read, you know, um, you know, abandon yourself to God as you understand him. That's done in steps one through three. You know, admitting my faults to him and your fellows. That's four through seven. Clear away the wreckage of my past, eight and nine. And then give freely what you find, 10, 11, and 12. And, and I thank God for Overeaters Anonymous because like this guy, um, I might, I probably would not have been here if it were not for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Lauren F., go ahead, please. Thank you. Lauren S., recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. When they say in his cups, that's um, a synonym for drinking. And the one poor chap that committed suicide in Bill Wilson's home. If you want to put this in your book, it's it's neat trivia. Bill Wilson's home was 182 Clinton Street, Brooklyn Heights, Brooklyn, New York. In case you're, you know, Nate, perhaps his home is still, still there for um, viewing purposes. And they say suicide, suicide. I'm I'm reminded of page XXX when Dr. Silkworth, who was not an alcoholic, but was just an observer of these alcoholics and had an incredible uh, line of experience. He says, there are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice and supreme sacrifice is to give up your life or die for a cause and I I am what came to me what just came to me is going through this work 
I was propelled by an attitude, and perhaps some of you who have recovered had the same attitude, and perhaps some of you who are struggling with staying abstinent don't have this attitude. I don't know. In my experience, I had the attitude of there are two doors for me thus far. There are two doors. I can die or I can live in recovery. And suicide is is uh is what I see as the ultimate self causing death, the ultimate um cause of our selfishness, you know, causing our death. And I think this this program um it's either we we try to we try to commit the death of self, the death of self through working the program, through slowly destructing our selfishness, or or we stay in our disease and our self causes our own death, causes our own death. And suicide is just the ultimate, um, it's, it's the opposite of recovered, but I know from personal experience, people who use the big book and this one woman who's, who, who lives in who lived in my town, she committed suicide because she did not continue to grow through um, continuing with the twelve steps every day of her life. And um, I I know that if I do not keep doing this work, I will I will start to kill my spiritual death, or <laughs> I will start to kill my spiritual recovery. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. And we're going to take time for one more share on this, and then we're going to move on. Who would like to share? Janice. Hi, it's Sheila. Janice. Hi. Um, we're going to go with Janice, and um, and that's it for this paragraph. So we can welcome sharing on the next paragraph. Go ahead, Janice. Well, thank you so much, Katie. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. This paragraph spells disease because I can identify so much with Bill here, because in my disease, I was an unloving woman, creature. Why? What was unloving about me? My personality was unloving. I was moody. Um, I was sensitive. I isolated. You know, I I was full of self-pity and resentment. Who likes that? Nobody likes to hear that. You know, I was disagreeable. I wanted to debate. Uh, you know, uh, that's very, very unloving. And so um, this is talking about Bill's experience. Yes, I've experienced this too, you see, because I wasn't willing to change. So now, there, you know, they, there are two doors. But before that second door, you know, the first door is you choose. I choose recovery or I become insane before I die. You know, if I just died, it, it, you know, <laughs> I would die. But that's not what happens. Um, we get insane, insane before we die. So um, this is, um, we didn't, they couldn't, or I remember people here, you know, in, in, the, in the bridge um, that committed suicide because they weren't willing. Thank you, God. I was willing to live a spiritual life, not the life of the world. 
and uh, you know we'll see what happens in the next paragraph. Thanks, Katie. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. We're actually going to take some time. Um, Sheila, will you, I think I heard you say that you wanted to share. Did I hear Sheila? Here, to Sheila. Thank you. I just wanted to identify in with this because of the, when they talk about your being in your cup. Um, when I listen to this paragraph and read this paragraph, it just reminds me of like a slow death. It's like every time, every day I choose not to stay in recovery, not to encourage myself and work with others. It's like I'm playing a Russian roulette with my life, you know. So each day that I wake up and I decide to or not to do program, it's like you're waiting. It's a slow death is what I'm thinking about. You know, this person took their own life because they just was in so much pain. And... Um, I, too, have watched, unfortunately, people um, from this form, not necessarily the eating but the drinking, have a slow death because they just couldn't turn their life over to a power greater than themselves or thought that the power greater than themselves could relieve them of the pain that they were in on a daily basis. So I just wanted to identify in, and um, thanks for letting me share, Katie. Thanks, Sheila. Sorry, guys. Did anyone else want to identify in on this paragraph before we move I'd on? I'd like to. It's Mary from New Jersey. Sure, Mary. I Go ahead. Oops. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's the first time I've ever shared on this. I am a survivor of suicide, and it wasn't for the food, and it wasn't for, for alcohol, and it was a very, very sick person. And um, And I met the man of my life. Who would have ever thought that just meeting him triggered that all. So it isn't that people don't want to get well. They can be very, very sick, like me. I am so grateful to God that on my deathbed and off of my deathbed, I got in another group for mental health, and I have my health today. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary. Did anybody else want to identify in on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, this is Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to share. Sure. Yeah, Linda, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I am so, so grateful, and grateful to hear about this topic today because it's a very touchy subject. Um, I live in the house where I tried to commit suicide, and I did try to commit suicide over what Janice mentioned, insanity. Not the insanity uh, where I heard voices. That's a different thing, but... um, although it could be included, I suppose, I really don't know, but the insanity of being so self-destructive and not knowing how to get well. And um, my mother was going to die, and she was my higher power. And um, that was an emotional thing. I was very dependent. But I had some knowledge of and some experience in OA, and I thought, I remember thinking, what if I'm wrong And fortunately, I threw up because I had taken pills. And I was too scared to die. And I, like, just as fast as I could, hurried back to OA. And through the grace of God, the steps, and more grace than than I ever imagined was available in the universe. And it's always there. And then got me to visions. I'm recovered. And I am not nuts anymore. I mean, I do not want to self-destruct. 
I am a very healthy, happy person. I don't even need medication. Not that there is anything wrong with that. Nothing at all. But I, it's unbelievable the things that turn up through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And that big book is the key. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thanks, Linda. Well, this is Katie G. Recovered from Boston, and I am going to take a minute to comment. Um, an alcoholic in his cups is un, an unlovely creature, and I just want to stress for me, I was an unlovely creature um, getting abstinent. Um, I um, was selfish, dishonest, self-centered, frightened. Um, I didn't care who you were, how you were related to me. If you had food, I was going to plow through you. And I was in my cups of alcoholism, of the ism of compulsive overeating. When I was abstinent, I was engaged in selfishness, dishonesty, self-centeredness, and fear. And it wasn't until I took the risk to stay abstinent and work the steps through the big book that I started seeing what they're calling our way of life. And what is our way of life? It's moving from a place of fear to love. So instead of being afraid that everybody's stealing my resources, I'm actually going to choose to love everybody and trust that, you know, there is a God of abundant resources. Moving from a place of self-centeredness to other-centeredness. So where's my peace? Where's my stuff? How am I going to get what I want out of this situation? I'm thinking about other people today. And gosh, God, how can you use me? And from self-reliance to God-reliance. So instead of Katie G from Boston is going to pull up herself by her bootstraps and figure out how to get what she wants, no, I'm going to show up and rely on God today. But it wasn't until I stayed abstinent and worked the steps God had to uncover and allow me to discover and discard the things in me that we hear all the time are blocking me, that I get propelled by fear, that I tell myself fears that there are not, there's not going to be enough. And then I tell myself a lie that I have to figure this out, that I'm not okay if people are behaving this way, that they should behave the way I want them to, or else I'm taking my Barbies and going home. I don't want to play anymore. You know, and part of my recovery today, part of being a recovered woman means that I have integrity with keeping the food down every single day, and I live in steps 10 and 11 and share it with others because I have to look at where am I getting blocked again? You know, where am I getting fearful again? And how am I blocking God out? So um, it is an amazing way of life. I don't necessarily know what's best for everybody else, but I am so grateful that it worked for me today and with that I pass and was there anybody else that wanted to identify in before we move on yes Melanie okay Melanie go for it hi everyone my name is Melanie I'm a recovered compulsive overeater very touched by the things that I have heard today to the point that I thought that it was important for me to share my experience with this Um, I'd heard in the rooms that from my kind of description of suicide, it was the um, slow variety on the layaway plan, and I can attest to that. I started out as being a pretty, you know, average 
blonde headed little girl and each decision I made or each place that I went and I would become embarrassed or I wasn't invited to the parties anymore or I was excommunicated out of this situation or I didn't finish this college course or I was fired from that job. All the shame, all this stuff developed such a delusional way of thinking in me. Not only was I extremely obese, I wasn't leaving my home anymore and the day that I was able to kind of get through my head that I had become agoraphobic, wasn't leaving my home, wasn't picking up the phone, wasn't drawing my drapes, and I had two children at home I was trying to raise and a husband that was flying all over the U.S. and out of the world to to have a living for ourselves. I had to admit that there was something clearly wrong mentally with me and I was not getting out of this thing. One day at a time, one week at a time, one year at a time, I was committing suicide on that layaway plan. My life had gotten so small, I'd atrophied so badly that there were two little children running around in my house. I had my, well, I've described in these rooms before what it looked like for me. I wasn't bathing. I was almost 300 pounds and um, I couldn't even function. And in that state, with everything falling down around me, I kept thinking that Monday would come and I could get this thing together again. That delusional thinking and that pain was so great that I couldn't pound enough food down my throat to get the pain to go away anymore. I was an insomniac up all night, up all day, with barely sleeping in between, not brushing my teeth, not bathing for weeks on end, in my bed, in my bedroom, not picking up the phone when the school would call about the children. I had food and boxes and plates and, and silverware on my bed because that's where I stayed and that's where I ate. It was a horrible, horrendous thing, and yet I would tell myself, I cannot live without food. There is no space between my thoughts and the fact that I need to pound food down my throat in order to live through this moment, I, there was no space there. That's what I kept telling myself, the delusional insanity of this thing. Picture it, folks. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as we continue to read the next couple of paragraphs, I'll be able to tell you the flip side of that particular story. It's a tragic, tragic thing. Please don't think for one minute that if alcohol is so clear and plain on the surface, that this woman's Suicide was any different. It was just on the layaway plan. It was coming. It was coming. It was coming. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. And we're actually going to move on. Katie F., would you please uh, pick us up on the next paragraph? Katie? Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. But just underneath, there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. And, you know, people have just described how far down we can go. And yet, if you walk into... If all of us were in a room together, there would be a lot of laughter because we have been pulled up out of that mire and, and uh, abyss of, you know, suicide on the layaway plan or, or you tried suicide or you were, uh, you know, in congestive heart failure or you, you're, uh, you know, just all these physical ramifications from this disease and yet... 
once you work through these steps, all of that is gone. And it's, uh, it's so simple. And that's what, you know, is so amazing to me is people uh, look at what we do and think it's so hard. And then I think, compared to what? Compared to 24 hours a day or every waking moment thinking about the food or thinking that I wish I could die? No, this is simple. This way of life is simple compared to the insanity of compulsively overeating. And that's why I can laugh today. I can laugh at myself and at um, the deception that this disease gives me and the lies that it tells me. But God has brought me through to the other side, and I know because of all the experiences I have had that God walked through with me, I know that I can walk through the next thing that's in front of me. And I wouldn't remember that if I didn't work with newcomers, if I didn't come on this line and hear you know, the stories that have just been told of people on their way to death and God saved them. You know, there's a reason why all of us are here today and we have lived. I don't care if you've been abstinent since you got up this morning or if you've been abstinent for a couple of decades. God has a purpose for you. And it's so that you can join the ranks of the human uh, living, breathing, happy people. Uh, we have a message, and it is one of, uh, of hope that you don't have to stay there. Um, you know, that is the deadly earnestness about this uh, recovery, that, that we don't, we don't uh, fool around. We have um, a solution today that works 24 hours a day in every circumstance. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this um, uh, on the life, in the lifeboat with all of you people who have chosen to live today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And who would like to comment on what was read? Hi, Okay, I think I heard more than two people. I heard Leah. Hiya. I heard Kyla and Hiya. Tim. Marianne. Okay, so we're going to go. Okay, we're going to stop there. So I heard Leah, Hiya, Paula, and Kim. Okay. And Marianne. Uh, we'll Okay, and we're going to stop there after Marianne. Okay, Leah, you're on deck. Maybe I didn't hear Leah. Leah, did I hear you? <laughs> Maybe Actually not. not. Oh, I think it was sorry, Hiya, that. Oh, Okay, all right, so we're going to go with Hiya. Hiya, please go ahead. Sorry, guys. Hiya, Leah. Sounds kind of the same. <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Haya. Very, very, very grateful. Recovered, compulsive eater, and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. And I want to welcome anyone who's new to our meeting. Um, it's your meeting, too. Um, and I, I love, you know, we're in Bill's story. Bill's telling his story. And uh, he just told us, you know, the demise, the downward spiral of, of this illness um, and how it took him down. And then the miracle that, that happened to him when he sat in that kitchen with Evie and went to the hospital and spoke with, um, you know, and, and for the last time was separated from alcohol for the last time and all the things that he did um, and, and the place he's in now. And it's just, it's, you know, we spent a lot of time 
on this, and it's because you know we get to identify with how he fought and how he drank. How did we eat the way he drank, and how did he feel? And now, you know, I love this paragraph because it's like this. Um, to me, it's like this. Um, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's this dichotomy. These two things that I have to hold in my hand. On the one hand, you know, this is really serious business. I mean, people just shared you know, about, um, you know, this is life and death. This is life and death, whether you're physically dying at this moment or sometimes worse, spiritually dying. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, is a, it is a death. And um, I was certainly dying inside. You know, I was a shell of a body. You know, I was, uh, before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I was up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And, um, and then even in Overeaters Anonymous, at a certain point, um, I was in a thin body and in a crazy head, and that is a living death. Um, and so, on the one hand, we have this the seriousness about it, and we and 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 that's why our meeting is a serious meeting in the sense that we we get down to business, the program of recovery. We I think this meeting in particular takes very seriously. Um, you know, the, the primary purpose, which is to give hope to the newcomer. But by the same token, the joy of living, you know, once you um, pass through the, um, and, and speaking from experience, to be on the other side of the ninth step and to be living in steps 10, 11, and 12 is, it's incredible. But it's one of those things that you don't know unless you know. You don't. You can't, it, it's not something that can be, in my experience, it's not, and in the experience of people in the book, it's not something that you can learn from reading the book. It's something to experience. It keeps saying, this is an experience you don't want to miss. This is an experience you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss this. And um, I'm telling you, anyone who you don't want to miss this, you don't want to miss this. The joy, the laughter, how we can laugh at ourselves. And... Um, and, uh, you know, I can laugh at myself today because I, I, I can see certain patterns. I can see um, the way myself, myself wants to run the world. But I, took a, I, took, I made a big decision in step three, and that was the decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God. And, um, and that's the joy today. The joy today is that I, I, um, I can laugh, I can be in joy. And I'll tell you, guys, that's not how I was um, you know, certainly before I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous and, and for sure even in Overeaters Anonymous without um, drinking from this, this um, wealth of, of, you know, just experiencing the, the actual 12 steps of recovery, taking those steps. And so the fellowship, um, we have a lot of joy in the fellowship, but when it gets down, when it gets down to the work, that's serious business, and um, I just encourage anyone who's new um, to grab on like a, like a life preserver, and the life preserver is the 12 steps of recovery, particularly the first nine that get you recovered, and then steps 10, 11, and 12 that keep you there, um, and then in the fellowship, we get to laugh and um, rejoice in, um, in being, being saved from the quicksand, you know, and being pulled out from the depths. And um, whatever depths you're in, it, it can go deeper. <laughs> uh, it can go deeper, but you can be lifted out. So I'm very, very grateful today. And I'm um, just grateful that, um, that we have this meeting every day to come to. 
and um, and that I've been given the gift of recovery. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chaya. And before we move on, just a gentle reminder for everyone, let's all um, try and limit it to three minutes so we can get as many people in as possible and uh, welcome your shares focusing in on what was read today. So let's move forward now with Paula, please. And thank you, Katie. Oh, I love reminders. And thank you again and for your service that you have done today and every day that we do. There isn't a day that we can omit or say, well, not today. No, there's not no today here. You know, it starts with, and I'm going to go right here, there is. Now look at how he describes it, a vast amount, not just fun. Oh, we're going to have fun today. Oh, no. A vast amount, huge amount of fun about it all. It comes together as a package. But then it goes on. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming. Now look at the word. What it looks like is not what it is. It is so much deeper because he says, but just underneath, there is a deadly earnestness. Now he uses that word, deadly. Faith has to work 24 hours a day. Honey, try this. You know what? My heart pumps 25 hours a day, pumps blood through. Well, you know what? Really? Are those last 10 minutes and every hour important? What time? When isn't it important? Never. Never. That blood must pump in and through. Just as important if not more so, because there is different types of dying. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us. I'll be very clear here. You perish. And as I said, in more ways than one, which one the far, which one the worst? I don't know. But you know, one thing I do know, and I'm just going to go ahead just for a moment, because it says the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution, common to all. The solution, yes. We have a way out, finally. I didn't know the way out. Finally, a way out. So there it is, faith. Faith has to work. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thanks, Paula. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim Jane. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. I'm going to just piggyback on, on the same sentence. Um, and I like, you know, I like choices. I like to have choices. So here we have choices. This is faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. I mean, the big book is so famous for saying alcoholic destruction or spiritual life, oblivion or spiritual life. Until we understand there's just two choices, we're going to be spending our time chasing choice number three. You know, just like being on a game show and wanting wanting the what's behind curtain number three. This is our choice. Recovery is not a part time job. Recovery is not convenient. You know, we heard some beautiful shares prior about how the disease robs us of our life. You know, I remember reading the big book for many years and how it works and hearing that in meetings saying we're always looking for an easier, softer way. What I heard earlier was not an easier, softer way. For me, recovery is the easier, softer way. It's just, you know, once you work through these steps, you'll, you'll experience that. You know, I do more in a 24-hour period now than I could do 72 hours in my disease. 
But my recovery has to come first. The best gift I can give my family, my coworkers, and the person that I'm riding on the highway with is to put God and recovery first, to get out of my little plans and designs and ask God, where do you want me to be right now, right here? You know, and we have a chapter in our book called Into Action. We don't have a chapter into thinking, into remind, you know, into analyzing, into self-analysis, into self-care. We have a chapter into action. When we're saying we're living in 10, 11, and 12, I'm not visiting that part. I am living in there. OA and recovery is not a temporary respite, which unfortunately is how I treated it for many years. I would do the work until I felt good. And when things started to go my way, I would just do whatever I wanted. And then I'd wonder how i go tumbling into the disease again. So we have two options. Now, once again, this is Bill talking after he's recovered. This is not, you know, this is, we have to recognize that there is no, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So we have two choices. We work through these steps. We get a spiritual experience. We are now unblocked from our higher power. And here are our two choices. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. And thank you, God, my experience the last three years is that first part. And let me tell you, the rewards are amazing. It's a lot of work. It's not convenient. But my life today is beyond my wildest dreams. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And then I believe the last share it was Miriam, but if I've gotten your name wrong, I apologize. That's okay. This is Miriam uh, H. from Florida. Thank you so much uh, for everyone's share. I'm fortunate enough to be be here and listening. And I just want to piggyback for a second the previous uh, 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 passage. Um, I Before I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I used to tell myself that if the scale goes above a certain number, I'm going to commit suicide. But I'm too much of a coward for that. And uh, thank you, God, I haven't had thoughts like that in a very, very, very long time. Uh, so I, I owe that to, to the rooms and to God. And that's all I have to share. Thank you very much. Thank you, Miriam. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Leah. Sharon, may I share? Okay, so we've got Leah and then Sharon. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie G., for your service. Uh, There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. Um, You know, I I used to joke in my old home group that uh, to the newcomers, I was the newcomer contact person that uh, when they would call and ask where the meeting was located, I would just tell them uh, the name of the church and I would just say, follow the laughter. You know, I don't even need to give you a room number. Just follow the laughter. Uh, There was great laughter in that room. Why was there great laughter in the room and uh, levity in that room? Because uh, we were free. (laughs) That was the laughter of freedom. That was the laughter of being released from the shackles of this disease. It goes on to say, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. You know, this is uh, spiritual life is not a theory. I have to live it. I have to live it. I have to, uh, you know, put myself to the the 
the task of step tens whenever I am disturbed. Uh, I need to continue to improve and grow in my relationship with my higher power in step 11. And, of course, I need to carry the message. And I need to practice these principles in all my affairs. And, you know, that is quite easy to do when we're on this phone together. You know, we can joke and love each other. Uh, How am I behaving when I hang up this phone? You know, the spiritual work of a recovered person is for me to, you know, train my face to smile at a neighbor who at times might disturb me. Um, train myself from making negative remarks, uh, to drill my mind in judging others favorably. You know, this is practicing the principles in all my affairs. You know, am I showing appreciation and respect to my very hardworking husband? Um, Am I patient with my sometimes cranky children? (laughs) Am I giving honor and respect to my parents? Um, You know, this is... uh, putting that dependency on on a power that I call God, whereas I used to look outside for scraps of pleasure and fulfillment and validation and security and love. Um, but today, through the program of recovery in these steps, uh, you know, I, I understand and I realize that I have a treasure, this unsuspected inner resource within that not only includes all those things, but is infinitely greater than anything that the world outside has to offer. Because the program of recovery, these steps, and continuing to live in 10, 11, 12, has given me a connectedness, a relationship with some power outside of myself that is immeasurable and indestructible and has saved me from myself. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Sharon, please go ahead. Oh, hi, Katie. This is this is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Thank you for everyone who shared today and welcomed everyone out on the line. And I just love this paragraph because I have um, been a part of it in so many rooms and in so many meetings where we laugh and, um, you know, just uh, levity. And I think that's one of the gifts that I received, we all receive, as a result of working this program, is the gift of laughter at ourselves. You know, I was always so sensitive and, oh, this person did that to me and da-da-da-da. And so it just kept me in that sick mental twist of um, depression and self-pity and all of that. And today the greatest gift is that I can laugh at myself. I don't have to laugh about other people, but I can laugh at myself. And what a gift that is. But yet the work is serious business, just like it says here. It has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. And um, so I must be diligent and alert to continue to work this program 24-7. And I have the support of all of you uh, to do that. And and the gift of living a recovered abstinent life is uh, just one of the greatest gifts in the world. And I am so grateful to be a part of this meeting. I'm so grateful I started listening uh, um, in July of 2012 and what a difference it's made in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Sharon. And we're actually going to move on to the final paragraph. Nancy T., would you please read that for us? Nancy? Can you hear me now, Katie? Hello? 
Yes, we can hear you. Sorry about that. Go for it. Can you hear me, Katie? Yep, we can hear you. Go for it. Um, Thank you. All right, great. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Now my page has missed. I turned on. Let me get back to speech. Can you hear real quick? Okay, I'm Nancy, compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Thank you, God, that I can identify with this paragraph today. Um, I listened as people talk um, in this meeting about um, an alcoholic in his, in his, I'm sorry, in his cups and is an unlovable person, and I related to all of that too. But the difference is today I have the privilege that I have chosen to live in 10, 11, and 12 as the big book describes as our way of life. And because of that, and having done the work prior, I have been able to experience a new freedom so that I can I can describe it as a widening circle of peace on us and goodwill towards me instead of trying to control people around me and dictate um, how things need to go. I can have some peace and serenity and acceptance. Now, before you think that I do this perfectly every single day, I do not. I still have unmanageability in my life. These character defects still pop up. Um, I still get irritated with people when they don't do things that I want them to do. I'm human. Um, I, I make mistakes. I make poor choices. But one of the choices that I make each day is to live in recovery. And that's what brings me. When these things pop up now, I have a toolkit at my disposal that I can use to get back out of it. I recognize when they pop up that it's not, instead of blaming the other person, I can turn the finger towards me and go, what is it about me that I need to take a look at? And when I need to, I can go back and clean it up. And that is part of the beauty of um, living this way of life. It's about sharing the message with other people who are out there still struggling when I ask. Um, I don't have to look any further. I have found what I've looked for often um, in my prayers. I just say thank you, God, for the blessings in my life that I have today. I have so much more than I need. Um, I just, I am truly blessed. I was sharing um, a God moment with a friend of mine the day before yesterday and through texting, and she texted me back, and she said, oh, my gosh, you are the most blessed person I know, because I had just shared with her um, a poor choice I made, and then here on the cusp of that, I was able to experience this huge blessing that just was like, wow, and so, um, you know, I just share that because it's not just me who gets to experience this. Other people have seen the change in me. The change is apparent because the difference in me is like night and day. Um, so I I am living in utopia today. And is it perfect? No, but it's way, way, way better than I could have ever, ever dreamed before. And I am so grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. And who would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go for it, please. Well, yes, thank you. Thank you much. My name is Janice. I'm I'm a recovered, compulsive overeater, grateful to be here. You know, all my life, I was always looking for utopia. I wanted to be satisfied. Nothing satisfied me. Money didn't satisfy me. Education didn't satisfy me. A successful professional husband didn't satisfy me. 
You know, I was always searching, searching for either excitement or something to fill me up. You know, and this is Bill's story. And, you know, if we go back to the first paragraph and listen to his story, this is what he was always doing, searching, searching that's going to make him feel better so that he can stop drinking, you know, to stay stopped. And, of course, never found it. But he did find it. He found that omnipotent force in the 12 steps. Can you imagine, you know, if we do what Bill did, we will get what Bill got. And, you know, it's, you know, surrendering to an omnipotent force, round-the-clock faith in a higher power, that's the solution. You know, looking for peace and contentment. Wonderful two paragraphs previous. You know, flip side, disease, recovery. You can see how the personality changes. It's a miracle. And most of us that are recovered and those that are getting recovered, this is what's going to happen. This is the result. This is the result. Thank God for uh, Ebby coming to Bill and bringing him this, locating Bill, so that that he can tell him about um, all this, um, uh, about his message. Where would we be if we if he didn't do that? I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm grateful and thanks very much. Thank you, Janice. And just in closing, I want to acknowledge Bill W., the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, who died on January 24, 1971. And I want to thank everyone who shared today to make it a fantastic meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Melanie, would you please read a vision for you? Hi, yes. Good morning, Katie. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.